Hey everybody, before we get started with this week's episode with Tony Medlin speaking about long-term care, uh, please visit our website at www.weeklywealthpodcast.com and make sure that you subscribe. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth-building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. All right. So good deal. Okay, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, uh, where we talk about the mindsets, tactics, and strategies to help you to build and maintain wealth for you and your family. Uh, This week, I am happy to have a really good friend of mine, Tony Medlin. And we're going to talk a little bit about a stage of life that sometimes goes unplanned for, but is a really important part of a financial plan and can affect your nest egg um, hugely later on in life, and that's long-term care planning. But we, for, before we get into the meat of that, I uh, want to tell you a little bit of, little story about Tony. Uh, in my past life, I was a tennis pro uh, back in my 20s, and we joke about rack it back, bend your knees, that'll be $40, please. So um, a couple of years ago, Tony and I had a meeting, and we started talking about tennis, and I hadn't played, um, played for a while, and um, Tony and I hit, and I got my butt kicked. However, he awakened the giant within, and I, I got my mojo back. So I, in all seriousness, I owe Tony a big Greta, uh, debt of gratitude because uh, that was a big part of my life for, for a while, and um, uh, I've really enjoyed getting back into it. So thanks for the butt whooping back on those courts, Tony. So now tell our, tell our audience a little bit about you, both personally and professionally, and how long you've been in the long-term care business. Well, it's interesting, David, because that may actually be my greatest tennis accomplishment. I've what do you won mean, a couple of... I'm, I won a couple of minor tournaments along the way, but you have so far surpassed me now. If if we were to play and I won a point or two, it would be a major accomplishment. So I'm glad that you're playing, glad that you're having fun with it and playing well. It's um, been a life crisis cure for me, so it's been awesome. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I, uh, actually, I am a retired United Methodist minister. I was in the local church for 25 years. And in the Methodist Church, they move you all over the state. So I got to meet a lot of wonderful people in that time of life. Uh, my grandparents, really my spiritual and emotional heroes, and and uh, can can have a, I have a lot of fun memories about my time with them growing up on the farm and and just spending a lot of time with them. And and one of the things I figured out in the in the church is. I did not personally think, and I'm not labeling all churches this way, but I did not personally think as time went on, we paid enough attention to the seniors, our senior citizens who now have lived long enough that they've lost a lot of people. And and I I just didn't think our ministry to them was what it should have been. And so I began to have a real passion for serving those seniors who reminded me of my grandparents and what my grandparents did for me. So I I wandered in the wilderness for a while. I did some hospice work and and then ultimately did some uh, assisted living marketing to get me into the business. And I knew pretty quickly that was what I wanted to do. And I felt like it was God's leading in my life. Uh, Still consider it ministry and sharing with others and and caring for this generation. And and, uh, so I got my long-term care license and have been doing this about six years now. And... uh, I'm very happy to be with Grace Management and the specific community 
uh, where I work now, and the executive director is Bodier Commons of Seneca. And uh, it's been a wonderful experience, and I'm happy and blessed to be doing it. You know, that first time that I visited your facility, you, you gave me a tour. And, you know, to be honest, this may come off wrong, but, you know, long-term care is kind of a subject that freaks me out a little bit because of what maybe some preconceived notions are. But you took me into the memory care unit. Now, I don't know what a memory care unit is. And this little old lady, she told you something that I think you said she had told you about three times already that day. And I think she looked very confused and didn't quite know who I was, nor should she have. And you just touched her hand and said, you know, thank you, darling. And, and it was just, you know, there was literally love felt at that moment and probably five more times that day. But um, this little old lady, you know, she was being cared for and she was in a, a very vulnerable time of life. And it was really a touching thing because for me, that would be hard. I think we all have our skills and abilities. And I think ministering to the elderly is incredibly important, but I don't know that that's where my natural gift is, but that's certainly where yours is. So I really appreciated that. Well, I talk to our staff all the time, David, about particularly in memory care, but for everyone, uh, creating moments. You know, we create little memories. They may not be able to remember it tomorrow. And so we create another one tomorrow. Right, right. Yeah. And, and that's what's important today. You, you know what we've been going through with COVID-19, of course, and it's been a very difficult time on our residents and our families. But we had a parade today. And I bet you we had 50 cars, plus the fire trucks, the Andy Griffith carpet. And, and our residents just, I cannot tell you the looks on their faces. It was wonderful. And that's what we need to do, even in times like this, create moments, create memories, even if those memories are but for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. So before... You know, from a financial planning point of view, which is what this podcast about, you know, we're, we're, we're about money, but um, so, we're, but tell me a little bit about, you know, when I think of assisted living or nursing homes or, or, or before knowing you, I thought of, you know, these depressing places with people just kind of lying in bed and even see these, you know, have you been abused in a nursing home? You know, call us, we'll get you your settlement. So what's a nursing home? What is assisted living? What is home health care? Give us you know, just kind of the, the basics of kind of that, that, that level of care that people, you know, start requiring when they get to, and maybe even tell us kind of the general ages where these types of care start becoming necessary. Yeah, I appreciate you asking that question because there are so many misconceptions in society about what long-term care uh, entails. And skilled nursing is, is, is a nursing home. We have 194 of those in the state of South Carolina. And you may remember that the governor said last week, and did well, Vihek actually said last week that we were going to start testing everyone, staff and residents in nursing homes. And so I bet I answered the question a million times, does that include you guys right now? And it may eventually, but not now. Uh, skilled nursing is for the person that may be bedridden, for the person that may need a feeding tube, for the person that may need sliding scale insulin, so not uh, necessarily somebody who's older, though. You could have been... Absolutely. Okay. No, good point. Good point. Um, assisted living, we too are kind of what you what the name suggests. Uh, you, you come into our community, and I hope you sense a very lively environment. Um, our folks need some assistance. They may need some assistance with ADLs, which um, are adult daily activities. You know, it may be toileting. It may be showering. It may be... Um, any, any, 
help me get your clothes on, whatever the case may be. Um, but other than that, they are very active in terms of our activity program. They get to know the other residents and we have a wonderful dining uh, community. And in our particular community, we not only have assisted living, but we have independent living. And of course, as you mentioned, we have memory care. When someone in assisted living or memory care declines to the point that they are bedridden, they cannot feed themselves, they have sliding scale insulin, they need a feeding tube, they have a catheter that cannot be managed, then those are the things which suggest to us that that person is now ready for skilled nursing. Okay, okay. So um, the people in assisted living, um, talk to me, like what does their room look like? Does it look like a hospital room or is it, does it look more like a hotel room? What, is, what do their rooms look like? It looks better than a hotel room and it looks much better than a hospital room. We have different kinds of apartments. We call them apartments. And uh, we, have a, we have some one bedroom. Uh, we have studio deluxe, we have studios, we have alcoves. And basically, those are simply, um, they have different sizes, different square footage. Uh, but it is a very nice apartment uh, that, has, that has sleeping space, that has a little bit of living space, that has a bathroom, and their room is a microwave, a little refrigerator, uh, closet space. It's, it's, it's very nice. Okay. Yeah, so that's not that that's not what I would have envisioned, you know, but I remember, you know, visiting Belvedere, it was very nice. It was very, very positive. And the other thing that I noticed, uh, you have a couple residents that have their little doggies, which, you know, I think man's best friend, women's best friend, what's better for your morale than a cute little dog? And, and I think we all inherently need a purpose. And if part of your purpose is taking care of your dog, that can only be a positive mentally, right? Oh, absolutely. And we have a couple of standards by which someone can have a pet. One is we have to have all the paperwork with shots and those things which are appropriate from that perspective. And also, um, and also they need to be able to take care of the dog or the animal appropriately. Um, you know, take them out if it's a cat, care for them in the room. Have you had any, any, any occasions where you had to step in and say your dog, you have a bad dog and your dog can't live here or is that pretty manageable? You know, I'm, you know me personally, you know I'm a dog fan. I don't think there are any bad dogs, <laughs> but uh, there are some situations where it's been a little bit difficult as time goes on, particularly uh, for the resident to care for the dog in the, or, or the cat in the, in the proper manner. And we've had to make some adjustments, but, but most of the time it's a very good experience. Sure. Now under normal circumstances, we're during COVID time, so I can only imagine what what your life has been like and what your facility's life has been like, but um, you know, could grandkids just pop in and see grandma? Could, you know, dinners and how does it work with visitors typically in, in, in nice facilities? Yeah, no doubt. We, we like to tell folks that even in assisted living, we want them to have the amount of independence that they want, uh, but all of the help from us that they need. And uh, again, not now, but in normal times when COVID-19 is not part of the future. Normal times when you could go have a taco with somebody. That's right. Like you and I used to do quite yeah. often. Yeah. Can't do that. Um, I checked on our favorite place, by the way. They're not doing inside seating yet. So okay. we'll, we'll have to do that later. But yeah, people can come and visit if they want to take grandma home for the weekend. We just need to know where they are. Um, and, and so that we don't think they have 
gotten lost or anything like that. But yeah, they have as much independence um, within reason that that they need. Okay. So now a lot of people say, you know, I'm, I'm never sending my mother to assisted living or to a quote nursing home because that's what the perception is. And, you know, I'll do it myself. And, you know, maybe we'll hire someone to kind of come in and, and while I'm at work and, and not, you know, I don't think any level of care is right or wrong. It kind of depends on people's situations. But, you know, what are the generals of, of what condition someone can be and have maybe a home health care nurse come in or are there different levels of home health care and um, how do you evaluate those types of situations? Sure, great question. And and I don't want folks to think that I am putting a negative spin on skilled nursing communities. We need skilled nursing communities for when, uh, for when the person is appropriate for skilled nursing. What I want folks to understand is the difference between the two, as as we discussed. Um, now, to your to your question. Uh, when someone gets to the point that they may be living by themselves, they may be living with a spouse, and you see that they have fallen a couple of times, you see that they have shown some incontinence maybe that they cannot control, you see that they may be having some cognitive decline, they may not quite be ready for memory care, but there's been some cognitive decline, and you're worried about whether they may leave the stove on or, or something like that then you're getting to the point where assisted living at that point is very appropriate. And now you mentioned home health. There are a lot of senior services that are a part of senior care in general. Home health takes care of things such as um, wounds, open wounds that may need to be cared for. Um, and you've got hospice, of course, which is end of life. You've got private centers, which is a huge company in our society right now. There are many of those all over the place that can come in and sit with the elderly. Um, and you've, you've got physical therapy, which is used after rehab, those kinds of things. And I talk to a lot of children and their parents who may be ready for assisted living. Everybody wants to say, I'm not quite ready just yet. Until we see quite often they fall and they break a hip and then they're in rehab a long time, and hopefully they can come to us before they end up in, in a skilled nursing facility. But here's the point, David, I want everyone to understand. Everything that I just mentioned, from home health, which helps with, as I said, open wounds and other types of health issues, from hospice, end of life, from physical therapy, which you may need after rehab, private sitters even, although, we like to think we can do most everything that someone needs without having to have a private center. All of those things can happen in an assisted living. Okay. If someone from our community um, has a surgery or has something health-wise in which they need home health, we have home health coming here. The same thing with end of life with hospice. We have a couple of hospice companies we work with that help us if someone uh, comes to the, uh, an end of life issue. We also have physical therapy. If somebody has been to rehab, they come back or, or they just have been struggling for whatever reason and, and they need some physical therapy. All of those senior services can come into our building and be a part of the tent that we offer in assisted living. Gotcha, gotcha. So as a money podcast, 
um, one of, and one of my main duties, honestly, as a financial planner is help people to plan and prepare for the future. And none of what you just talked about is free. So, um, on a range of costs and, and we will have people, uh, listeners from all over the country, but assisted living, what are the ranges of cost per person, um, you know, for, for a facility like yours, um, you know, nationally, what, what are some ranges of cost per month or per year or however that would, would work? Well, nationally, I have to confess that I'm not much of an expert with that. I did ask, um, I did look into it a little bit and the best that I can observe about the national picture is that it very much coincides with, um, the rate of living wherever you are. Um, if apartments are a lot more in California than they are in South Carolina, then assisted living is going to be more in California than in South Carolina. In terms of pricing here, it's very similar across the state, actually. Uh, assisted living, most of the time, just like us, and I would say probably 95% of the time, it's private pay. I had a couple of calls this week. Do y'all accept Medicare, Medicaid? And we do not. It's, it's private pay. However, when you look at something like Skilled, uh, which, does ex- which does accept Medicare, Medicaid, it's probably twice the cost of where we are also. So in assisted living, there are typically three levels to the pricing. One is a community fee. Different companies do it different ways. Ours is a flat $1,500, and it's a one-time fee. Uh, there is the monthly rent which an independent living is in the 3,000 to 3,500 range. In assisted living, you remember I said there were several different levels of apartments from one bedroom to studio, and those range from the low 3,000s to the low 4,000s. And then in memory care, it's a pretty standard for the companion rooms, 38 to 3,900. The private rooms are in the 4,500 to 5,000 range. And those prices will vary. Uh, now, do those double if it's both spouses, or is there? Uh, are, I'm are sorry. You, so, if if there's a, a husband and a wife, uh, are you roughly doubling those numbers? No. If there is a, a second person fee, and all three of our services, that second person three, well, in our assisted living and independent living, it's five fifty. Okay. And then in 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 memory care. Um, it could double in memory care, but there's usually, if it's a husband and wife, there's a special deal that happens. What you should have said is, I used to know the price, but I forgot the memory care price. So there's there's not my joke. Yeah. You know, I haven't been around you as much in the last few weeks, and I have just forgotten that sense of humor, David. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So, so, but, but when it comes down to it, there are going to be, um, fairly significant costs for a lot of us when we get to a certain point in life. And my job as a financial planner is to help plan for it. Now, there's a lot of different ways to do that, and we're not going to get into those. But um, I really wanted our listeners to just to get a feel for long-term care and and the different levels of care and just some different ranges of costs uh, so that, uh, you know, it becomes real. Because if you've never been around, maybe you've never had to care for an aging parent 
Um, and, in, and if you're in your 30s or 40s, you, you know, you're, you're superhuman. You don't have any issues. You don't have knees that ache. But you start getting a little bit older and then maybe some relatives and you see what, what level of care becomes. And even everybody that says, I would, you know, I would never send, you know, let somebody else take care of my mother or my father. Well, you still have to go to work and there's still, you know, you can't be there unless under um, really strange circumstances where there's independent wealth. It's just about impossible to be, be with someone all day because you have to earn your own living. So yeah. there's a guilt with, um, with kids, adult children, putting, uh, you know, uh, having their, their, their parents going into assisted living and then maybe they kind of see that it's not, it's, it's a great thing, not a horrible thing. Absolutely. And we see that all the time. And that's why we put a great emphasis on family events like the parade that we had today. And because families are even more scared when they're not seeing their loved ones like they normally do. I know you're the financial person, but may I mention one thing about the finances that I want people to be aware of. If there is a thing called aid and attendance for veterans, and although we are private pay, um, if someone has been a wartime veteran and you'd have to get the VA administrator in the county to, to help explain all that to you, but there is a help for the assisted living fee each month up to a couple of thousand dollars for the veteran and twelve or $1,300 for the veteran's spouse. And so I want folks to be aware of that too as they do their financial planning, David, that even though you're talking about the three to $5,000 range a month, when you look, when you have a financial planner like David Chuck then he will know the options to help you. And that's just one more tool in the box to know that I want folks to have an awareness of. Sure, yeah. And it's all about, you know, it's all about having a plan and it's all about not being caught by surprise. Um, and, um, you know, some people choose to insure their long-term care expenses. Some people uh, choose to self-insure and, and there's positives and negatives to both. But the worst thing to do is just not plan for it at all. And then you hit your sixties and seventies. And well, let me ask you this. What, I mean, what's kind of the youngest age you, you would typically have in your facility? And then what are some of the older ages? The average right now I've got someone about to turn 101 oh, wow. and at least she tells us that because she looks incredible. She is, she, I mean, she's doing great. And, uh, and then I've got someone under 60 that's, that's a part of our community. Now I will say that that's unusual. Mm -hmm. So the average age I would say is early eighties okay. um, to mid nineties to a hundred, that kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Now let me, I want to ask you a question, David. Okay. okay. Let's hear it. I'm 57 years old. Okay. I did not plan as I should have. I did not have a long-term care policy and I didn't have Chad David Chuddick to help me. Is it too late for me? It's never too late for anybody to do anything. Um, it may be past the ideal stage, but we can't go back in time. Um, Long-term care insurance, just like any other type of insurance, is going to have some underwriting requirements. So, um, and then like any other insurance, the closer you are to needing it, the more it's going to cost. So, like you know, most people in their mid-fifties and up, you start having a couple things wrong and a couple medicines. So, a lot of people can't qualify. And then even if you can, sometimes it is cost prohibitive in the mid fifties. So beyond that, what you look to do is allocate, you know, a portion of your investments um, towards uh, 
towards you know that long-term care bucket and and see if there's you know what you can do there you definitely want to have conversations with your kids whether whether you have everything covered or whether you know there is going to be some responsibility on them it's better for them to know sooner rather than later it's also um you know it's good just to have those conversations and um uh and and i don't think this is uh you know the, the case with you but you know there there are some spend down limits to where you could get to where you can qualify for medicaid um which is probably there's very very low levels of assets that you're allowed to have and qualify for medicaid so nobody necessarily wants to be there but there are some creative ways that people move money out of their names and and such and, and try to beat the look back period but um but yeah i mean the the really the biggest thing is to you know nobody can go back in the future but if you could say well starting now we're going to start allocating some money towards our future long-term care expenses and we'll get it as close to ideal as we can get it then that's the best that any of us could do so well i want to tell folks and and i appreciate you allow me to talk about Belvedere Commons and long-term care a little bit, but I want to say also, even though I give you a hard time, I, uh, David's got an account of mine, folks. Uh, we've known each other for a few years now. Um, as some things develop, he's going to help me even farther. He and I have talked about that quite often. And the biggest thing I look for, whether it's long-term care or ministry or financial planning, is I want to work with someone that I can trust and that will add sincere value to my life. And I want to tell you, uh, I, I can put my word upon the fact that David Chuddick will do just that. So I'm going to cry right now. So you got to... <laughs> well, and, and with that being said, you, you didn't mention that you also have a, a little background in radio and that you also have a face for radio and for podcasts. So uh... <laughs> I don't have a face for radio, but... Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm anxious to see what happens this year. We're hoping to have football season, um, but uh, I brought, broadcast high school football in the county. I really enjoyed the broadcasting um, Seneca basketball this year. Both the girls and the boys went to the upper state playoffs and, I mean, championship games, and that was, that was just wonderful. And uh, it, it just enjoyed being a part of the community. And, and I have to say, David, um, I'm from Williamston, and I love my Mustangs. I love my hometown, but I've lived in Oconee County for so long now that what our town in Seneca just went through, not only with COVID-19, but with the tornado, I proudly wear that Seneca Strong t-shirt, and I have never been more proud to live anywhere. It, it has just been very emotional for all of us. Uh, we had a few associates very much affected. My family, uh, the tornado literally uh, jumped one yard over our house and, and we could hear it and we're just very blessed to be here and uh, I've just never been more proud. I get emotional every time I ride by the areas that have been affected. And oh, it's beyond just, you know, you see tornado pictures on TV, does not, you can't comprehend what it's like until you drive down those roads for sure. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Got it, so. Well, good. So if anybody in the, you know, the Oconee County area of South Carolina ever wanted to get in touch with you and, and uh, uh, about assisted living, how could somebody contact you? Well, we are at Belvedere Commons of Seneca. We have independent living, assisted living, and memory care, as I've stated. And we are at 515 Benton Street. It's right off Kiwi School Road, and the zip code is 29672. Our phone number, David, is 864-888-4114. 
And again, we are at 515 Benton Street. Uh, just ask for me. I'm Tony Medlin, of course. Our marketing director is tremendous. Uh, you will enjoy working with her. She's a very genuine, caring person. Her name is Sonia Altop. Uh, you can call that number and ask for her as well. And we would love to talk to anyone. We're doing virtual tours right now. And uh, it's a little bit different, uh, but we're looking forward into hopefully the near future being able to uh, invite folks back in and do some, some real visits in our community. So just real quickly before we let you go, what has life been like? What is the new normal or what has the new normal been during COVID time for your facility? We're very passionate, as is everyone, uh, about keeping our residents safe. And we are a vulnerable community, obviously, with the elderly population. I have, uh, I'm real good friends with the other directors uh, in the communities around us. I guess technically we're competitors, but when you go through something like this, you, you really are all family. And we actually call each other. I, I'm usually in touch with the other directors a time or two a week saying, hey, how are you? You know, how, how are things going? And that's very special about our industry. Uh, but we cannot allow the residents to go anywhere or anyone to visit. Um, families can visit with proper social distancing outside the windows. The most difficult part is, is we can't do the communal dining in the dining room uh, right now. And we hope for that to change soon. Uh, but it's difficult. You know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It is, it is very difficult. But I could not be prouder of our staff, could not be proud of our residents. They keep a positive attitude. And I wish folks could have seen that parade this morning. We had, like I said, about 50 cars. Um, and it was loud, it was boisterous, and banners everywhere. The residents were holding up their banners. And we are finding creative ways to just really, really, uh, I did a sermon once called Love is a Verb. It's an action word. And we have found creative ways to just love each other through this time. And it's been beautiful to see. Well, and I know sometimes the elderly is a forgotten portion of society. So you are, you're doing good work. So, well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your expertise. appreciate your friendship. And um, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get together one of these days and have lunch uh, when these restaurants open back up. So I'll look forward to it, my friend. It's great to see you. All right. Good deal. Thank you. So I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode about just the basics of long-term care as part of a financial plan. Long-term care is definitely an event that needs to be planned for, and there's plenty of ways to do that. Uh, if that's ever a concern for you, give me an email, david at parallelfinancial.com, and we can do our best to point you in the right directions. If you happen to be in the upstate of South Carolina, and if you ever wanted to uh, meet with Tony Medlin or even just have a phone conversation, his phone number is 864-888-4114. That's it for this week, and we look forward to the next episode. Thanks. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.